Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, everyone. Welcome to 442. Today, Liam? We've got a belter. We've got Super Paul Devlin, formerly Stafford Rangers, Notts County, Birmingham City twice, Sheffield United, Watford, Walsall, Bohemians and Scotland International. Played one game short of 600, scored 108 goals. Paul? Welcome to the show. Thanks, thanks for having me. We should have been golfing, but the weather's beat us, hasn't it? The God. But we are going to get out, aren't we? Yeah, hopefully. Probably a lucky escape for me, the way I'm playing at the minute anyway, not to not to get out there. Lucky escape for him, <laughs> the way he's playing. This, I'm eight, 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 eight and all against John and guests. Struggling. No, he's just bringing bandits. <laughs> not bandits. Uh, played under some notable managers, Neil Warnock, Russell Slade, Howard Kendall, Steve Nicholl, Colin Murphy, Barry Fry, Trevor Francis, Steve Bruce, Ray Livington, and Eddie Booth. Lewington. Ray Lewington. It's my spelling. <laughs> Livington. <laughs> that's, not, that's a good intro. That. Absolutely. Oh, right, there yeah, you have done well there. Good research. <laughs> Stato. Stafford Rangers. Yeah. Wasn't your first club, but they paid £2,000 for you back in the day. Yeah, I think in, that was about 1990, 91. It was at a, a local club in Staffordshire called Armitage 90. And Chris Wright, who I still speak to to this day, signed me for Stafford Rangers. And uh, they were in what was then the Vauxhall Conference. Quite a, quite a big non-league club. Used to get gates in excess of a 1,000, of which, you know, he, he's good at that level. So it was... a. Played with some great players there. Desi Bremner was there, European Cup winner, Scottish international. So I was an 18-year-old kid coming from Sunday football and non-league to go and play at that level against people that were going to go pro and that had been pro and were dropping back down the levels was was a great learning ground for me. You had Stan Collymore there for a wee yeah. while, didn't you? Yeah, overlapped with Stan for a, for a few games and Stan, Stan was unbelievable. I think every club in the land was looking at him at that point. He was six foot four, built like a Danish, rapid either foot, and uh, obviously went on to, you know, do some great things, with, I would say, then, Forest, Liverpool. Uh, my opinion, should have should have achieved more in the game for, for the ability that he had. Uh, you signed for £2,000. 
So I take it you're on a contract there. I'm going to have to be cheeky because yeah. I am. What kind of wages? I think Vauxhall conference back I, I, I can't. I can't remember exactly, but it, I got a feeling it was about £120 a week. Which, which That's not the, bad, is it? No, playing football, uh, like I said, you were playing non-league on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was grafting. I was like labouring on building sorts and different things like that for a couple of hundred quid a week. What well, how it normally happens when playing non-league, you'd always get somebody who was involved with a football club yeah. who had a business. So he'd say, well, come and work for me and play for me and I'll give you a few quid. So, yeah, it, it was great and it, it, it was brilliant, brilliant times for me. You know, 16, 17, 18, whatever I was, playing against men in the 30s. And you sort of, it, it brings you on, you know, you've got to stand up and be counted when you're playing against someone who's played two or three hundred games at that level or been in the league and they've dropped out the league. Um, you know, it's, it's a good testing ground and I, I'm, I'm really happy that I came through the non-league route as opposed to coming through the academies. When you, when you see Stan Collymore getting his move to Palace, did that spur you on? Yeah, very much so. I think at the time that, that Palace paid 100 grand for Stan and that was a record for a non-league teenager then. So, yeah, you know, you're looking at Stan. Obviously, I was nowhere near the play that, player that Stan was, but you always think, well, I've, I've got a chance. Because I think even more so today, people are looking to think, well, if you're not with a club boy, eight, nine, ten years of age, you've got no chance. And I look at one of my closest pals, Jeff Horsfield, he didn't sign pro till he was 24. I think Ian Wright was late coming into the game, Stuart Pearce was late coming into the game. So it's great when you see players that, you know, because Stan was at Wolves as a kid and got released. So there is, you know, there is opportunities after that. It's not the end of the road if you get released by a club. I remember going on trial to Derby, going on trial to Oxford and being told no. But you've just, you've you got to keep going and, and have that belief in yourself and hopefully get that break. You went on trial to Liverpool? Yeah, I was up there for six weeks on and off. We, um, it was the year Graham Soons took over. They brought a team down to Stafford uh, for a pre-season friendly. We lost, I think, 2-0, but I played quite well. So they had me up there, played in a couple of reserve games. I was up there for about six weeks on and off. I remember the second reserve game I played in, Ian Rush had been out for a couple of months with an Achilles injury and he was making his comeback and it was away at the Albion just down the road. So I played up front with Ian Rush. There was about 7,000 people there turned up to see Rushley and uh, we won 1-0 and I scored the goal, which was great. Then um, I thought, I've got a, got a chance here. It was, it was unbelievable. But apparently they, they offered 10 grand to Stafford for me. Uh, and Stafford turned it down because obviously they'd, they'd sold Stan for 100,000 six months before and they were looking for, for big money. So that all sort of fell through. Went on trial to Leeds, came back. They, they didn't like it at Leeds. Came back and they signed for Notts County. I think Notts County paid about 85 grand or something in the end. So, yeah. But it must have been a good time because obviously with Collymore getting his move... Scouts will have been alerted. They'd have been looking anybody else here, yeah. whatever, and down. So you knew you were to get an opportunity at some point. Yeah, I mean, it, it, was, it was a good level of football. It was a, it was a tough level of football. You know that you know it is even now. I think even teams at that level now, now ninety percent of them are pro. Yeah. You know, so it was great. And and like I say, seeing Stan get that move sort of spurred spurred, spurred me on even more. You had a great FA Cup run, didn't you, at Stafford? Yeah, we got to the, the third round proper, which was, you know, as a kid growing up, that was always a, a big day. And we played Burnley at, uh, at Stafford, and I think there about two and a half, three thousand people there. I think the match of the day, cameras were down there. So even now, it's one of those games that sticks out in my memory because, you, you know, you got cameras there. Never, never had the television down to, to, to watch you play. I mean, we, we lost the game. I think it was 2-1 or 2-0. But it was just a, a fantastic occasion to get to get to that round and, and have have the TV cameras come down to watch. With Stan moving on, were you like leading up leading up to it, thinking right, put myself in the window? 
yeah, I mean, everyone was down watching Stan, but obviously, like John just said, the scouts are there. If I can play well, you know, I can sort, sort of shine a little bit. So, yeah, obviously Stan went and I sort of took the mantle a little bit then where, the, you know, there was, there was a lot of interest in me for, a, you know, six, 12 months and various different trials, various different clubs come in. So that was all the focus that, that Stan brought to the club, really. I think probably playing Burnley as well, a well-established football club. Yeah. You're going in there thinking, with that non-league mentality, trying to show them yeah. that I'm as good as you are and I deserve an opportunity. Yeah, very much so. And I, and I think I took that mentality all through my career, probably a little bit too much at times with the disciplinary record. But yeah, I remember you're playing against these pros and oh, I want to show the pro I'm, I'm as good as you and I can do what you can do and I should be a full-time player. So I took that mentality with me throughout my career. Probably a little bit, like I say, too far at times with, you know, the, I don't know whether it's small man syndrome or angry man syndrome, but I always sort of thought thought that was quite a, quite a strength in my game, really. Not, normally wingers, you can kick wingers out the game, can't you? Yeah. But I was sort of a little bit different. I, I enjoyed that side of the battle. But you kind of get a name for that as well. Yeah. And sometimes you try and live up to that at times. Yeah, very much so. And, I, and I, you know, I look back, and especially the early stages of my career, I was very easy to wind up. You'd only have to leave a little bit on me a couple of times and I'd react and it was yellow card, red card. So, yeah, it was to me detriment at times. But I think looking back now, it was definitely, a, you know, one of the things that made me the player that I was. It'd be nice to get that fine money back now, wouldn't it? I wouldn't mind it, yeah. There's a few quid. There's a few quid paid down the years. So Liverpool bid for you. Stafford turned it down. What were going through your head? Surely you were knocking on the chairman's office and said, what are you doing? Raging, raging. You've got to be on you. <laughs> Liverpool, yeah, I mean, the, the, the problem I was learning, this all came to light after, like down the line, so I didn't know at the time. So as far as I was aware at the time, it just sort of fizzled out. Um, so I remember after that game we ran about at the Albion, Phil Thompson was the um, reserve manager for Liverpool at the time. So they'd had me up and down for six weeks. So I knew this, they saw something in me because they kept asking me back. So I just played up front with Ern Rush, just scored the goal. I couldn't have done any more. Um... And I could tell by the way he was speaking, something wasn't, wasn't quite... And I'm thinking he's going to say, oh, brilliant, you've done well, you, you've done enough. And it just all fizzled out. And I, and I got to learn years down the line, really, that, that that was the case. I mean, I think the powers that be at Stafford probably, you know, it was their plan to keep it from me. Because like you say, if I'd have known that, I'd have been smashing the door down. What, yeah. what are you doing? And I'm 18-year-old and chance to go to Liverpool and... You know, it's been taken away. So I didn't get to know about it till years after. What was your reaction years after? Fucking raging. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen. It, I mean, I, I'm, you know, it all pan, panned out great in the end. I could have gone to Liverpool yeah. and never kicked a ball and, and been lost, which, which happens to a lot of players that go to big clubs. I ended up going to Notts County. You know, when the, it was the old first division at the time, we, we got relegated. But I played 150 games in, you know, in the championship for them. So that, again, as a young pro... That was a, a great start in, you know, brilliant club, brilliant city. It was a great start to life for me and I had some really good, really good managers there at Notts County. So you walk in the door, sign for Notts County, and you met the legend that's Neil Warner. Yeah. Yeah, Neil was brilliant. He, uh, I think, obviously, I struggled a bit disciplinary-wise in the early part of my career, and I think that's one of the things that Neil liked, that I was that, you know, I was that way. Because I remember I got booked in a reserve game, and at that time... The disciplinary system was a points-based system. I don't remember, John. It was like three points for a booking, or if it was a sending off, it was four points. And depending on what you'd done, how many points they actually give you. So I got my first booking in a reserve game for Nuts County. Took me to a suspension, and it was the record number of points 
uh, at that stage a player had ever got. And I remember like Neil Warnock getting him in the office. Like, he hadn't realised I was on that that amount and just not going up, laughing about it actually. But Neil was great, you know, he he took the chance on me when other other people had looked and gone, maybe no. Uh, and I found him brilliant and you know, I was fortunate again to play for him later on in my career and uh, I've got nothing but praise for them. But we had some fucking big barnies at times down, down the years, don't get me wrong, but I think ultimately he knew that I'd give everything for him and, you know, he, he looks after me for doing that. A manager doesn't come back and sign you again if he doesn't think that. Well, he had no choice at Sheffield because I was already there, but he came in and, and to be fair, he's, I don't know whether it was first year, but I got player of the year in 2000, so Neil come in, so I, I, I probably had one of, my, one of my best years under Neil that year at Sheffield. Back at Notts County, 19-year-old debut against Coventry City. Yeah. Do you remember who you've come up against? Kenny Sampson. Yeah, I'm looking at Kenny Sampson. It was red up day, end of the season always is. I'm 19, full of bravado. Kenny Sampson's about 38. I didn't realise at the time, England's most capped fullback ever at that point. And I think Stuart Pearson, actually Cole overtaking him. And he's 30, whatever he is. And I'm, I'm thinking, I'm going to fucking run over him today. I'm going to do this and I'm going to outrun him. I'm gonna... I don't think I had a kick. I don't think I had a kick. He, he just, it was like a masterclass of defending from Kenny Sampson. And the, the harder I tried, the worse it got. But yeah, it was, a, it was an eye-opener coming up against someone who'd played 86 times for England as a 19-year-old kid. Were you baffled coming off then? Yeah, I just thought, hey, how's he? he's 37 years of age. I know I can outrun him, I could, but he was just too good, too good, too clever. Gets the feet back on the ground quickly. Yeah, it, it doesn't have, yeah. And uh, he, he was he was an unbelievable player, Kenner. So coming from non-league, anybody take you under the wing at County? Yeah, Tony Agana. Uh, Tony Agana, who I still speak to to this day. Um, uh, big Irish fella, Don O'Riordan. But we had some really good old pros at Notts County. Steve Cherry, the goalkeeper. But yeah, there was there was a couple of old ones who you know sort of took me under the wing, give me advice. All of which I fucking ignored, by the way. As you, as you do, <laughs> you do as, yeah, you, you do as a nineteen-year-old kid. But it, it was it was a good place, and, and we had a we had a good blend of young players as well. We had the just sold Craig Short and Tommy Johnson, but we had Mark Draper. Draper was Draper was a top player. Um, Michael Johnson, Andy Legg. We bought a lad down from Rangers who was probably one of the best finishers I ever played with, Gary McSweegan. Yeah. It, but for injury, Swigs would have played at you know, top, top level. Great finisher. So it, it was a really good place to be at the time. Who were the pranksters? Uh, probably myself, Leggy, Michael Johnson, because we all used to share a house, you see, in Southern. And, it, and it, was, it, it, was, it was great because we was three lads, young, brilliant city, all single. So it was just like mayhem, mayhem in the house. But yeah, it was great. I mean, you had about the one day. I can remember my first contract for Nuts County signing in the old first division. It was three-year contract. My basic for the first year was 325, 350, 375, and 12 grand signing on fee, split over three years, so four grand a year. So that was signing at the top level of English football. So, no, so 370 more, quid? 325. <laughs> on, the, on year three, yeah. sorry. Wow. Yeah. So it's not, not quite as glamorous as it is today. No, nowhere near. Back of the day then, so that's the old First Division, no premiership, then wages. A decorator on the building site will be on the same or more, won't they? Yeah, I played with lads that had, you know, that was chippy, uh, non-league lads that had really good jobs playing non-league, were earning double what I was as a, as a pro. But I'm like, 
you'd give your right arm to be a pro, wouldn't you? So it, it wasn't about the money then. You just wanted to be a no, pro. No, I'm saying that as a fan, we would be thinking not even close to that. Higher, higher, higher. Well, as a fan, we'll yeah. always think... You're probably thinking 10 times that. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think 99% of people do. I think it's a common misconception that if a lad's a professional footballer, he's earning thousands and thousands. You know, there'll be lads playing in the second and first division that are nowhere near what people will be thinking about. I mean, obviously, championship, premiership is, you know, is a different story, but, you know, I, I wouldn't have changed it for the world. If you'd have said 250 could a week be a pro, I, I'd have taken it at the time. What was the step-up like? Stafford, Notts County... Yeah, um, massive step up, massive step up. Because obviously I'm going into it. I was I was tearing it up in non-league. Everyone was after me, so I'm thinking I'll get there and I'll do this and that. And look, you're starting at the bottom of the ladder again. Um, just the tech, keeping the ball, the fitness, the, the awareness. So it, it was huge. And I, and I found that every level of play that gone from championship to premiership to international football, you have to you have to adapt. You know, whether it be physically or you know clinically. I, I found. When I made the step up late on in my career and we got to the Premiership, people said, oh, it's a lot quicker. And I found the Championship a lot more physical than the Premiership. I just found that at either end of the pitch, they were more clinical. If you give a Premiership striker a chance, 99% of the time he's going to score. And as a forward, you might only get one chance in a game. Where at Championship level, you might get three or four chances and a forward might miss three or four chances. I just thought it was more clinical in either end. But yeah, you have to, you have to adapt to every level. I agree with that, you know, it's, I think in the Premiership especially, I think there's more respect between the players, yeah. so they kind of stand off you and yeah. let you do your little bit yeah. to a point, and then they'll close you down, yeah. so you seem to get more time on the ball at times in the Premiership, yeah, whereas so. the Championship, they're on you straight away, they're on yeah, your toes, they're, they're fighting for the ball, they're, and it's and, more hurly burly. And I, 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 thought as well, I found as well, obviously players at Championship level, some of them haven't got the ability, obviously the Premiership players, so they make up for it with being in your face yeah. and aggressive and, and closing you down. So I always, listen, you might ask 100 people and 99 say different, I always found it was a bit of a myth that the Premiership is physically more... Ch Championship, you're playing Saturday, Tuesday, most of year round, yeah. you know, so... But, yeah, it's, you know, you have, you have to sort of adapt your game, don't you? And as you get older as well, you have to change your game, don't you? Back then, Knox County did some great runs in the old uh, Anglo-Italian Cup. <laughs> yeah. Wembley twice. Yeah. First time you lost, is it Brescia? Brescia, yeah. Georgia Hadji. Oh, unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. Probably, well, not probably, definitely in the top four or five players that I ever, ever played against. Um, I mean, it was, a it was a cup that took a lot of stick because it seemed to be a fucking about five sendings off in every game. But it was great for me because I got to Wembley twice. But there's a reason that, though, isn't there? You used to have Italian refs over here and English refs over there. Whether that was something to do with it, I, I don't know. But but it, it was brilliant. Mm -hmm. and, and I remember going on the pitch with Hadji because he was only about the same size as me, quite a little stocky squat squat player. And he was just unbelievable. A bit, a bit like Skulls, never seemed to give the ball away. Always seemed to have space, pick a pass, everything. He, he, he was just an unbelievable player. The left foot owner. Yeah. He had some just, foot on him, didn't he? He just strolled through a game. Yeah. He, I don't think he moved out the centre circle. And just completely controlled the game. Just completely ran the guy. Well, year after, back at Wembley. Yeah. Askley. Yep. Oliver Beerhoff up yeah, front, yeah. is that right? Yeah. You set up the winner. Yeah, the big Devon White. Yeah. Now, I want to get this right. Devon White, is he the lad playing for Bristol Rovers yeah. who had come off for a shit? Yes, I think <laughs> so. During the game. 
I think it was, Dave. Yeah. Please tell me you've heard of that. Yes, I have. Yeah. <laughs> or the poo, whatever you want to call it, yeah. John. <laughs> yeah, that's that the right? thing. had to go yeah. to the toilet. Right, all right. Yeah. Yeah. Empty the Lord. What a celebration that would have been. Brilliant. And uh, Big Dev is a great fella. Really, really nice fella. But yeah, it was great after the year before losing. Um, and it looks like playing against the went on to be a future World Cup winner in Beerhof. So it was great, and, and Nottingham's a great time to celebrate in. So uh, myself and the lads, we had, a, we had a good couple of days celebrating that. But it was a, it was a brilliant thing. You know, at the end of the day, it was a, a cup final at Wembley. You know, so it was brilliant for me. Do you know, a lot of people ridicule lesser tournaments as such. Yeah. A Wembley final is a Wembley final. Yeah, yeah. There's top, top players don't get anywhere near yeah. Wembley in their careers. Yeah. So whatever it is... It's worth doing. Well, I was listening to some someone on about the uh, the Johnson Pike Trophy the other day, and who was the last final? It was eighty four thousand. Was it Sunderland, Portsmouth? Sunderland, Portsmouth. Eighty four. Now you're playing at Wembley night in front of eighty four thousand people. I don't care who you are. That's that's a big thing in anyone's exactly. career. So to play at Wembley in a cup final, although not one of the major competitions, was you know something that I'm I'm really proud of. So would it like you know I know because we spoke coming down because Bolton were in it as well, weren't they? Yeah. Going away to Italy, it's like playing a European game, wasn't it? Yeah. On the plane, doing all the things. You enjoyed it, didn't you, sir? I thought it was great. It was like a mini break. Yeah, yeah. You know, because, I mean, the games, don't get me wrong, the further down the line you go, they start to get a bit more serious. But at that time, early on in the, the tournament, they weren't that serious no. as such. So you were going away and it was, it was the weather was good. Yeah, yeah. It was like a mini little break. It was, it was really, and a good experience. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to see what the, the stats are for how many people got sent off in that competition. Because it seemed to be every game we played in, there was a, there was a sending off. Because you know, a simple thing, say going to clear the ball, and we'd always tackle. You could sort of go in and show your studs a little bit. The Italian refs, and you just couldn't do that. So then you, they'd be refing over here, sending us, and then the, the English refs over there had let stuff go. So there was always mayhem. And I remember before I went to Blues, they had a mad thing in Ancona, where I think they wanted to arrest Liam Dice and Michael Johnson, who were, who were pals of mine. And it's all gone off in the tunnel, and Dicey's ended up chinning the the, uh, the manager of Ancona. And they've put it, <laughs> then they've gone in and with machine guns and all that. So it was a bit it was a bit crazy at times. Is that football culture different? A little bit, you would say. But again, it was I think it was inconsistency of the referees yeah. that probably caused it. I mean, I remember back we had Kalina refereed one of our yeah, Pierre Ligi. Kalina refereed one of our yeah, games, yeah. yeah. But it was it was like you said, it was a good experience. Yes, yeah. yeah. No crowds, the crowds were terrible no. oh, over there. Yeah, there was one man, was only, one man and his dog. I bet there were more away fans, weren't there? Yeah, we would take yeah. a right few with us, I know that. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? So, but there was nobody locally at the games. Yeah, I mean, I'd be interested to see if ever they were to bring something similar to that back now, with the support that you get at some of the championship levels now, whether it'd take off. Yeah, because I think you, it would. you think it'd be it something would. people would want to watch, wouldn't you? I'm going to ask you, did you get sent off? Well, You're bringing it up more than likely. Knowing the Anglo-Italian cult, I think I did. I mean, n n none of them spring to mind, but I, I dare say I would have got sent off at some stage down there in that. So County coming to the end, playing well, top scorer. They started sacking a few managers, didn't they? Oh, we had a right few. Yeah, I might, I've got a stat here. You might have had four or five managers in a twelve-month period. Yeah, it was crazy. Obviously, Neil Neil went after we got relegated, and then. Um, Mick Walker, Mark Walker took over, and Mick was brilliant. It, Mick had been there at the club a long time, and he'd brought a lot of the, the younger players through. Obviously, Tommy Johnson, Drapes, people like that, and Mick was fantastic. And, and Mick took over, and we just missed out 
on the playoffs in, in, in that season. And I never forget, it was, a, it was a lad, and I still speak to him on via Facebook, Minder Dykstra. He was a left back from Holland, and uh, he scored an own goal in something like the 93rd minute away at the baseball ground. Never forget it. Balls looped over his head, bounced. Steve Cherry's come running out to catch it, and he's done that, nutted it straight over Ches. And we ended up drawing 1 1, and we missed out on the playoffs by one point. So we'd have been in the playoffs, and we had a really good attacking young team. The end of that season, the sold Mark Draper, Michael Johnson went, the team broke up. I think we ended up getting relegated. Then Mick got the sack, and then we had obviously Slady came in for a bit. Uh, Adrian Heath was in for a bit. Howard Kendall, who we won the Anglo Italian. So we're going to have to four or five now, aren't we? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but Howard Kendall was fantastic. Just had tennis every day, and he was the best I've ever seen at it. But Howard was great. You know, speaking to someone who'd done what he'd done in the game, you know, on the coach, racking his brains, asking him about his career and different players that he'd managed down the years was fantastic. And then obviously Steve Thompson, Colin Murphy come in. Um, and then obviously getting the move to Blues. But yeah, it, it went a bit manic after I was Mick just going to say it went a bit sour. You were top scorer yep. and then phased out the team. Yeah, I, I never understand really why, why managers do that. Um, you say you want to leave or there's interest and then they, they try and make it horrible for you. So I think, well, I was doing well, I was scoring goals. Why, why sort of phase me out the team, keep me in the team? And if I'm going to get a move, let, let me get the move. Well, your but, stock's going to rise if you score more, yeah, aren't you? Yeah, and I, I had a similar situation at Blues, but yeah, it's, I, I think, is there ever a good way to leave a club? I think probably the best way to leave a club is when somebody comes in for you, don't yeah. really know about it. They yeah. come to you and say, right, so-and-so's in, do you want to go, do yeah. you not want to go? And that's probably the best way. When it becomes a prolonged yeah. effort, that's when it gets sour, I think. And I think as well, because it was Birmingham, Birmingham's my hometown, I used to watch them as a kid. Yeah. I wanted to leave Nuts County and come to Birmingham. I'd love Nuts County, they had great four years there, brilliant people, <coughs> great start for my career, but Birmingham were a bigger club. Uh, it was my hometown club that I'd watched I wanted to go there, you know, and I think most players feel like that at some stage. So let me ask you about Warnock again. So you've gone into Warnock. He's left. Mm. He's got sacked, obviously, relegation. Could you have foreseen the career he went on to have as a manager then? No, no. Uh, I'd, I'd be lying if I, if I said I could. He was absolutely crackers at Nuts County. People think he was he was crackers everywhere he went, but he, I played for him again later and he, and he calmed down a lot. But no, he, he was very good... I think Neil's biggest strength was his man management. His motivation. Yeah, fantastic man manager. Very little coaching. Always had decent coaches with him and, and, and left them to it. You'd probably only see him Thursday most weeks. But he knew he knew the players who he needed to give a bollocking to. He knew the players that he'd have to tell them how good there was. And that was his, that was his biggest strength. He'd forged that siege mentality. You know, nobody likes me, nobody likes us. We'll show him and that. But, I mean, to go on, I, I think he's the most ever promoted manager. Would I be right in saying that? Yeah, I think he's up you there. Know, he's got yeah. a bit. So, no, I, I, I didn't foresee that he'd go on and, and, and do what he did in the game. You know, he's, he's had a, an amazing career, really, when you look back at it. We'll just, yeah. we'll yeah. just stay on Knox County. He idolised Cluffy. Oh, absolutely idolised him. Absolutely idolised him. Just tell a quick story about where we used to train. We used to train at a place called Boots. So, we had, like, a really shabby training facility. It was like a chain link fence and forest state-of-the-art facility. So we'd be training then sort of 10, 30, 11, normally on a Thursday or a Friday. These two golden retrievers would fucking run on the pitch. Fucking letting the dogs run around. And you'd see Clough and Archie Gemmel walking across. So instead of Cluffy walking round that session, you just fucking walk straight through the middle of it. 
Straight through the middle of the pitch. Straight through the middle. Straight through the middle. Morning, Neil. So like, one I could almost stand to attention. You'd have to stand still. Morning, Mr. Clough. How's it going? Blah blah blah. Yeah, great, great, great. All the best Saturday. So like, you could walk down. Right, right start again. And that was just just the norm. But Warnock absolutely idolised Clough. So probably the only person on the planet that could have could have got uh, away with that. Unbelievable. Yeah, un unbelievable. I think he could have done it twice every day, seven days a week, and Warnock wouldn't have batted an eyelid. That's how highly he thought of Brian Clough. And like you said earlier, with him maybe not seeing so much of him during the week and just turn, turning up on a Thursday a couple of days before the game mm. for preparation time, along the lines of Cloughy. Yeah, and I think that is one of the things that he took from uh, from Cloughy. Um, obviously, Cloughy was a bit of a renegade himself. I think Neil's, I think we'll all agree, he's been a bit of a renegade and outspoken down the years. So I think he was he was heavily influenced by Cloughy. I'm not putting him in the same league yeah. as Cloughy, but I think he was heavily influenced by him. You just said there a second ago there about the chain link fence between the two training areas. Did Notts County, as a player there, did you always look over and envy? Did you always feel like the poor relation? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And it's like when we, we'd always play them in friendlies pre-season or the County Cup and different things like that. And I always remember they were always sponsored by BMW. So you go into there and they'd all have these sponsored BMWs. We'd have old fucking Cavaliers and Fiestas <laughs> and stuff like that. So, yeah, we, we always felt like the, we always, I'd rather be that side of the fence looking, you know, looking yeah. out. But, no, it was, I mean, they're fantastic. Club. But, again, probably there gives you a target, doesn't it? It gives you a goal. Yeah. I want to be, I want to have that yeah, BMW yeah. and I want to be in, on yeah. that side of the fence. We all want to be on the big wages. Yeah. We all want to be driving a nice car, playing as uh, the best standard we can. So, yeah, I think it's, you have to aspire to those things, don't you? 1996, Birmingham come calling. £500,000 transfer for you and Andy Legg. Mm -hmm. You already said he's your roomie at home, innit? Yeah, me, Leggy and Jono uh, shared a house. Leggy, I don't know whether you remember him, John. Leggy could throw the Long ball. throw, I'm just going to say, to the back post. Oh, and he used to throw it flat as yeah. well. But it, uh, it's mad because Leggy was a good player, left winger, played for Wales. Everyone always says, oh, you were the kid that could throw it. You could fucking play a bit as well, do you know what I mean? But it was better than a free kick, better than a corner, because he could put it exactly where you wanted it. Well, if you're talking about that, that cup final at Wembley, when we beat Ascoli, if you actually watch the, uh, the goal, the first goal, Leggy's just inside our half and throws the ball to the back post at Wembley for Tony Agana to tap in. Some people still say to this day, he threw it straight in. I mean, he, he never, Leggy was one of them, never carried an ounce of weight, ate and drank shit. The fittest player, sport be like, brilliant at tennis, brilliant swimmer, best at pre-season, just one of them, and never worked at it, never worked a Natural, day. a freak and, of nature. And he, he never practised his throwing, never saw him, played him at Nutscape, played him at Blues, never seen him practise it. He just picked the ball up and he'd throw it flat and it was unbelievable. But yeah, me and him, me and him ended up coming, coming in the same move. So Barry Fry, now how did that happen? Was the agents involved then or not? I can't remember really. Well, one of my best pals, Michael Johnson, the other lad that we shared a house with, he'd gone a couple of months earlier uh, to Blues. And Baz had signed about fucking 70 players. It was unbelievable. So they had a spell, Blues, where they missed loads of penalties. They'd missed in a shootout with Liverpool and blah, blah, blah. So there was a bit of interest. And um, Baz had seen me take a penalty. This is how mad it was. Baz had saw me taking a penalty. So that sort of made his mind up. He can take penalties, we'll have him. So Leggy was out the team at Nuts County at the time. And so he was down with Steve Thompson doing negotiating the fee for me. And he's watched Leggy take this throw in, put it to the back post. Well, Blues had big Kevin Francis at the time. Yeah, I remember. He was him. six foot seven. Yeah. So Tom, I was telling me, Badger's going, fuck it, we'll have him as well. We'll have the two of them. 
So they, so they signed in a joint deal, but it went to a bit of a... It all got a bit sour with Stafford Rangers because the, the team that I'd signed to Stafford for had a salon fee. So it, officially they sort of said, well, Paul Devlin was fucking 30 grand. We paid 470 grand for Lego. So I think there was a bit of school, yeah, yeah. I think there was a bit of school doggery going on there well, somewhere. If you're a businessman, you've not done out wrong yeah, technically. But it, it's you? a little bit naughty that though, because yeah, I mean yeah. that's what keeps the non-league teams yeah, going, you know, yeah. and they rely on it. I understand that, but as a businessman, yeah, yeah. I've had business. a sharp businessman. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but it's it's funny that going back to that, right? So <laughs> that sounds like Barry Fry yeah. all over, doesn't it? Like <laughs> I want to sign him, but. By the way, I'll take him as yeah. well. I'll give us a two of them. Well, John, we got to train in the first day, me and Lego, up at Washtills. We're still trained there now. So we've gone in and Baz had this geezer that used to drive him everywhere, big Gordon. And he was like driver, kit, man, dogs, but everything. And uh, so he's, look, any training kit? Yeah, yeah, wait there. So fucking odd socks, a pair of shorts on. And, but they found us two waterproofs. Now, I had the waterproof on, the local paper come down. The T-shirt I had on, under the waterproof said, I've been to Ibiza or welcome to Ibiza or something like that. It was just madness. Got up on the training pitch and, and honestly, there was like a couple of levels at Washdale. So I've gone up to the level where the first team squad are training and it was like a scene from Zula. There was just players everywhere. He must have had 60 players in the squad and there was like four or five different pitches where... They, but Baz was brilliant. I absolutely loved him and he, he sort of got blues rolling again, Baz, to be fair. I'm going to... I've got a lot of questions about Barry Fry, but... I'm going to go back to the... Do you think he knew everyone? Baz, fucking... Yeah. If you say he's got He knew a player. player. I tell you what, he knew a player. And even if, like I said, I spent a bit of time with him a few months ago. He's got like a photographic memory of players. He knows a player and he knows a non-league game really well as well, Baz. So he probably did, Baz. He probably did. Knew I, everyone, I, yeah. I, I, never, Do you reckon I'd, it ever twigged? Like, I've probably got a bit too much in this squad here. Do you know what? I just... That was the way he managed I don't know whether he just thought it was a numbers game, but it's like his substitutions. Baz would never look to hold a game. He'd rather go out and score f four and get beat 6-4 than like, the one that look will sit back now. It was just always attack, attack, attack. He's put some good teams on the park wherever he's been, hasn't he? Yeah. And like you said, a, character, a proper character. Yeah, pro proper football man. Real proper football man. Real, real football man. And, and he's still to this day idolised down the blues. Whenever he came back last season with Peterborough, singing his name, you know, because... Even when you got beat, you you, you watched you saw an entertaining game, you know, and, and they, they loved him down there. Missed him football, aren't they? Well, he was. I mean, when you look at him, and he's done unbelievably for Peterborough. Yeah. I mean, like you said there, Paul, an eye for a player, he's made them fortunes, yeah. by the way. Fortunes. Yeah, well, you, you look at some of the forwards especially, you know, you've got Aaron McLean, Mikhail Smith, Ivan Tony. They're three that just spring to mind, and he sold all them for, what, multi-million pounds, yeah. each of them. They'll get a big selling off Tony, you would think, if he goes. So, he knows a player. He knows an attacker anyway. He does. Do you remember your ages, Birmingham? Was it up or down? Oh, up, up, up. We couldn't go down much, could it, from 300 quid a week? Yeah, I think Baz told, I got a grand a week at Blues. And Blues says, fuck, Baz, you fucking hell, you're lucky to get a grand. So that was like a grand a week at so Blues. So he sold it to you great? Yeah, yeah. Well, don't forget we had Karen Brady there. You had to, you had to be sharp to get anything out of Karen. You know, so it was... I, uh, I'm even getting confused now. So David Gold and... Yeah, yeah. David right. Gold had come in, yeah. And Karen Brady. Sullivan. As you see of now, very business people. Yeah. But you had a squad of about 50, 60. Yeah, 
Yeah. But people are obviously willing to spend money to get to where they want to be. Yeah. And, and, and as well, that was their first foray into football. So they mm. were very naive to it all. They, ah, were, so very they, would, have they would have clued up quickly, yeah. wouldn't they? But I mean, I still have eyes. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Arguments to this day with a lot of Blues fans about Sullivan, Golden, Bright. They saved the club. The club was knackered until they came in. And, you know, they, they left a bit acrimoniously, but, you know, that, that happens and... The club was always stable under Sullivan, Golden, Brady, you know, and it, 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 we was nearly administration. There was eight thousand coming to the games. All of a sudden, you got Baz in. Baz sparked it. Their money got us back going, you know, and eventually we ended up having four years in the Premiership, two cup finals, one of which won against Arsenal, a playoff final. So they've done some really good things, then. Well, they certainly pointed the club in the right direction, oh, didn't yeah, they? And, and stabilised it and yeah. got it going the right way again. Yeah. And like you said, you know, Barry Fry, there's nobody better yeah. to get the crowd going, yeah. get everybody behind the club again. Yeah, very much so. It, it was great times. It was great times down there. Then obviously, you know, things changed. But, but you know, but Baz went in a different direction. Talking of that, now don't think I'm taking the piss with this. Did Barry Fry used to have a wee on each corner flag? Or is this a lot of... No, no, it's true. Because apparently, I forget what it was, where we hadn't won for a few games or missed penalties, whatever it was. And it fed back to Baz as a gypsy's curse. Or where the ground was built, was a gypsy's curse on the ground. And somebody told him, the only way you get, you've got to piss on each corner of the... So Baz used to do it. It's Did he really do it? Yeah, yeah. So it's not a... <laughs> no, no, no. Did you know this? Liam, if somebody said you got to shit on each corner, Baz would have done it. So, he yeah, would have. You're right, though. He would. No, he'd done it. Did he work? 100%. No. <laughs> 100% he done it. Yeah. 100%, yeah. Any characters in that dressing room? Pranksters oh, again? God, we had some. We, we had loads of lads, didn't we? I mean, Jonathan on, Gary Paul, people, uh, Steve. I just missed Steve Claridge, but Liam Dice had just gone. But he used to come back down because he used to love the physio. Ian Bennett, the goal. Well, every goalkeeper I played with was crackers, but uh, Ian, Ian Bennett, who. I mean, we used to get fitness tested, and um, you'd have, they'd give you a test tube, so you'd have to bring in your first wee of a Monday morning when you got out of bed. And he'd get fucking dogs wee in it and all that. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to pick one out, really, because, you know, we, we had so many back then. There seemed to be, in the first half of my career, more characters than there was in the second half of my career. Do you think that because it gets a bit more serious as you go up the ladder? Yeah, I think so. I think you, you go to another... And, and I sort of was playing when the influx of the foreign influence come in with the foreign managers, the foreign players, and it was... The drinking culture was just coming to an end, really, then... And it all got a bit more professional, a bit less enjoyable. <laughs> no. yeah. 
Any good nights out, Birmingham? Brilliant, yeah. Any stories, any Lim fights? You know, where, where do you start? I don't know, there must have been a good kick-off. There's always a kick-off at a, goal, a football club, isn't there? Every, every week. I mean, yeah, really, I mean, there was week. at least one on the training ground every yeah, week, I, I mean, would say. I, I remember one that, obviously, Neil Warnock puts in his book at Sheffield. I mean, it happened every week in training. Yeah. People made a big thing about it. It was just one of those things. And I was playing for Neil at Sheffield, Marcus Bent. Me and Marcus Bent had a fight after one of the games. And like Warnock's gone, no, leave him to it, lads, leave him to it. We was playing Lincoln in the FA Cup. Benchy, that year, I was player of the year. Benchy got 30 goals, got a big move to Blackburn. <coughs> so we were the two main players at Sheffield. So he'd not passed to me or I'd not passed to him something. We've ended up grabbing each other round, round the throat on the pitch. So Warnock said, no, he's going to bring us both off here. So he's took Benchy off and left me on. So Benchy's fucking fuming, he's gone in the tunnel. And I'd be the same, to be fair. Yeah. So I've gone in the tunnel, I've got all my kits on. And it was the old, the old changing rooms at Bramall Lane then with like the ceramic tiles. It was like, like an ice rink. So I'm there and coming with beat Lincoln 4-1 or something. And Benty got two or three goals. Well, Benty's come out of the shower, start by looking naked. And he's doing this and he's pointing at me. And then he's come over and he's like leaned down and we're going head to head. So I've just turned back and I've headbutted him as hard as I could. I've gone flying. I can't get hold of him because he's soaking wet. So like, we're writhing round on the floor like two, two idiots. And Warnock's going, no, leave him to it. Look, so 30 seconds, the lads have then jumped in. And uh, he's going, right, you, quarter past nine in the morning, you, nine o'clock. And that was it. So we've both pulled up on the fucking car park at Bramall Lane at the same time the next day. Nobody there. So Benny was a big lad, so I'm thinking, I got, there's no one here going to break it up now. So we, we jumped out, fucking laughed about it and this and that. He had about four stitches in his... Warnock got us in. And this was on about his man management. He was brilliant, Warnock. He's gone, lads, what are you doing? We've won the game, fucking 4-1. You, you ain't passed to you. Fucking grow up, will you? Never find us, nothing. And that's, that's where he was brilliant. But that used to happen every week. God, it, it, you know, if he was to moan about every time somebody grabbed you around the throat in training or you had an argument with someone, you'd, you'd have never trained. So <laughs> Trevor Francis come. Were you sad to see Barry go? I was. I think everyone was sad to see Barry go. I think even, even the owners were sad to get rid of Baz because he had sort of got the club... He'd revived the club, really, with his... You know, how infectious his personality was. Um... They were looking to get to that next level uh, and obviously brought Trevor in who is, you know, regarded to this day as the club's best ever player. Absolutely amazing career that he had and, you know, he came in and, and brought in sort of four or five big hitters. And Spent Steve, a bit of money, didn't he? Yeah, for, for, for Blues and at that level at the time he brought in Steve Bruce, Gary Ablett, uh, Barry Horn, Paul Furlong, Mike Neal, you know, lads that was established, lads place. that had done a bit, yeah. and it was it, it was great to share a dressing room. What's with them. it like as a player then, say pre-season, and all these players are coming in who probably some of them might have been your position, might yeah, not. Yeah. What's it like? Is it like a good thing or a like? Hey, I always looked at it, and, and especially with, with Steve Bruce. I mean, I I got on great with Bruce. He played for him a couple of times down the years. Played with him. You want to impress him. These lads that have been at that level, Gary Ablett, Barry Owen, people like that. You want them to think you're a good player, so you're like training steps up a level, you know. The, you know, you just you just you just want them to acknowledge that that you can be at the level that they've played at. It's like you're trying to earn their trust. Yeah, you, no, you want them to the respect. Door. Exactly. They've got the respect because Steve Bruce, bloody captain of Man U, Gary Ablett, Liverpool, Everton, first Chelsea, Mike Neal, Blackburn, league winner, Barry Owen, Everton, Wales captain. So they've got your respect straight away because of what they've done at the game. I've never been at the level they've at. So you you want you want to earn their trust and respect. I'd say you got that because you got 19 goals. You're the top scorer and player of the year. 
yeah, I had a good season. That that's and it, it was strange because it's been well documented. I never really got on that well with Trevor, but individually, probably that was my best best ever season. Um, so yeah, it, it, it was great. Just again, I was I was always one for on nights out and that picking the brain, like talking to them about managers that they played for, players that how good was he, what what was his strong point. So. Steve Bruce, Gary, people like we've just named was, was fantastic. When you look at you know Fergie, Gary Ablett with Doug Leash and people like that, it, it was great to talk to them just to get those th those little pointers. So you you've got a manager, Trevor Francis, and you said you didn't quite get on with him. Yeah. In what respect? I always felt because I wasn't one of his signings, he didn't want me, right. uh, and he got rid. I think the only one that survived from the Barry Fry signing is Martin Granger, who went on to have 10 years at the club. Really good, solid left-back. He got rid of everyone else. Of course, I did so well that season, he couldn't get rid of me. And I think the following season, I scored eight in about the first 13 or 14. I was coming into the last year of my contract, and um, he, like, he put an offer to me, which I thought was derisory. I wanted more, and he sort of wheedled me out the team. That was his, that was his perfect picture. Oh, he's turned the contract down, he's being greedy, blah, blah, blah. And that sort of got me out the team. So he's probably offered you the contract, not really wanting you to sign yeah, it. Yeah, I think yeah. so. But yeah. it keeps him on the right side we, of the fans. Offered, yeah, we've offered him four-year contract, which they did. But it was like, I think, like I said, I was on a grand a week and I think it was, oh, we'll give you 11 or we'll give you 12. So, do you think then he had different expectations of you? Or do you think, I mean, you said there, you enjoyed yourself. Yeah. You maybe went out. and yeah. Do you think he came in and he wanted maybe somebody more professional or somebody yeah, I don't th I don't more than his way of thinking? Yeah, I definitely don't think he liked that side of it. And, and at that time, a lot, a lot of the lads liked to be, a lot, lot liked to night out. So I don't think he particularly liked that. Um, and John, he might just have not fancied me as a player. You know, I, I think of all these, you know, think, well, yeah. why, why didn't he like me? Maybe I just wasn't his cup of tea as a player. But I, and he brought in Newell and Furlong. And in fairness, Furs was was injured a lot at Blues and Newell, he just never never hit the ground. So the club had backed him with big money transfer-wise and wages-wise for these players. And you got a fucking shitty-ass Barry Fry signing who was doing better than the two of them. So whether he didn't like that as well... I don't know. Well, it kind of proves he's wrong, isn't it? Because yeah. his signings aren't quite up to yeah. yourself. So, yeah. obviously, he wants to be right, doesn't he? Yeah. In front of everybody. Yeah. So, I'm going to put it here now. So, player at season, leading goal scorer, started the next season well, scoring goals, offered you £100 a week more. Yeah. What do you think Furlong were on? Well, I heard at the time Furs was on five grand a week. Okay. So, and that's exactly what I asked for. I went, I says, give me the exact same deal as Paul Furlong. I said, no, sign four, six, ten years. Because I was, I, at that time, I was really, really popular down the Blues. Player of the year, like you say, top goal scorer. And he just went, well, we've, we've bought... This is where he, he tripped up over himself a bit, Trevor. He said, well, we've paid two and a half million from Chelsea for Paul Furlong, blah, blah, blah. And then, so he's talking away, so he's trying to stand his corner. And then, I'll never forget it, he says to me, how much do you think you're worth in today's market? And I went, Gaffer, I, I wouldn't know, I says... You don't want to put a value on yourself, do you? And he said, I would value you at two and a half million. And I went, but you've just told me you paid two and a half million for Furlong, but you don't want to give me anywhere near what he's on. Oh, yeah, but he's come from Chelsea and this. And I went, yeah, but he's at, he's at Birmingham City now. And he said, he's not scored in the goal. Nothing against Furs. Furs was a great lad, by the way, and a real, real good player and went on to score loads of goals. But it was just... I think it was all lip service, you know, yeah. offering me the contract. I don't think he ever really wanted me to stay. 
Shame that. But you, I don't think you've done it wrong there, have you? If you no. were like one of the best players, you want be the same, don't you? Well, listen, John, I'll tell you, football, you have to strike while the iron's up, right? If you're top scorer, that's your ultimate position of strength to go in and bargain for a contract. If I'd have had that season and not scored the goal and been out of the team, they'd have been quick enough to get me out and all, you know, and I wouldn't have been able to say, I want this, I want that. So it's all about timing, isn't it, with moves and contracts and stuff like that. But again, you know, it happens, managers come in. They want their own players in and they want to play a certain way. So, you know, I, I get that. I just think the whole thing... If Trevor had sat down and went, listen, Dave, you're not my cup of tea, but you've done well, but I want you out. I'd have gone, no problem, no problem. not, not yeah. a problem. You would have thought back in the day they would have given you a decent contract and sold you so you can get a bit more for you then. Well, it went from uh, being linked with moves for like a million quid, which was decent money back in, you know, uh, you know, late, late 90s then, to I think they... I was nearly at the end of my concert to go into Sheffield for like a couple of hundred grand. So they cut the nose off to spot the fire. I remember I was giving Bruce a lift back because Bruce used to get Bruce used to get the train down on a Monday morning because he, he had a beer on it. So I always used to drop him back from training to the train station. So I would nip in and have a have a point with him. Sounds mad, and it's saying this now. And he, Brian Robson found him. Well, Middlesbrough were interested in him, and Middlesbrough were throwing loads of dough around at that time. Yeah, we've agreed a fee and this and that. And it all sort of went from 900 a million, one and a half million, George Burley at uh, Ipswich. And then it all sort of filtered out because I wasn't playing. I wasn't playing. I was stuck in the reserves, out, out the pay. And like I say, they took 250 grand in the end where if you'd have just carried on playing me, I'd have gone for a million quid. So they've ended up taking you 250 just to get you out the door yeah, at the end of yeah. the day. Basically. What was his attitude towards you when you dropped into the reserves? And obviously then you knew that time he wanted you out. Yeah. What was his attitude towards you I then? Just, well, I had a sort out of mind. Wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't speak to you. I just had nothing to do with him, really. You know, Keith Birch, you knew, was coach there. Keith, Keith was fantastic. Birch was, you know, he'd been a player, so he knew. It, I mean, a, a lot of players have to go through that. And I think it's, it's a real bad thing for a player because you're not actually doing anything wrong. I, if I'd applied up and gone, oh, I'm not playing, or I'm doing this, or, I'm not coming training, I get it. But... He'd, he'd gone out his way to make it a misery for me and I hadn't done anything wrong, really. You would think, though, at some point, they're so keen to force you out the door. Well, make something happen. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I mean, at that stage, then cut your losses, but get you yeah. out the door and do it the right way. Yeah. Well, or, I think you've got more chance of getting me out the door if I'm playing yeah. and I'm in the shop window than stuck in the reserve. Oh, if they're looking for money, yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. That's where I'm getting my, my head around it. If you were playing... Give you a new contract. Yeah. Let's say if you met in the middle, but back of their heads, right? We're going to get more money for him because no offence, you got taken out of the team mm. with good stats, playing well. Yeah, you've, and you've, so had, you've lost money by it. doing it. It's yeah. a bad business decision, isn't it? I don't know why they do it, and it, it's almost like right. Let's make his law for misery, and he'll sign that contract. But actually, it just it rubs players up the wrong way, and you go, well, fuck it, I'll dig my heels in even more. But they were making your life a misery and you weren't going to sign a contract because they really didn't want you to sign yeah, the contract. Yeah, yeah it, was, it, was, it was a strange one. It was a really strange time. But, and like I say, the ironic thing is, I had my best ever season under it. And that's, that's where... It's it's, it doesn't make yeah, sense. I'm getting yeah, it's wrapping still, still hard to get my head around Personalities it. will go with that one. Yeah. So, Sheffield United, 200,000 bid. Back with Steve Thompson. Yeah, Tomo was great. Big Tomo who'd sold me from Notts County. Got on great. Big, rough and ready centre-half. Um... We'd gone there, and this, I to this day still think Trevor Francis played me in the FA Cup to cup tie me for Sheffield. Sheffield got to the semi-final of the FA Cup against Newcastle away at Old Trafford. I'd been out the team for weeks and weeks. I forget who we played in the cup. 
Trevor put me on the bench and put me on for like three minutes. Cocktail, yeah. And I'd been out, I'd been out for weeks, John. And I say that to people and go, no, nah, that's just because you got a down there on Trevor and the like, conspiracy theories. Right. He don't that. like you. No, so so I couldn't play in that. But we got to the um, we got to the playoffs that year as well. Lost yeah. to Sunday, a real good Sunday. Well, I'm going to talk yeah, about good, that. Good so Neil Warnock took over. Got mm. to the playoffs. No, we got to the playoffs with Tomo. Did you? Yeah, Tomo. Right. Players against Sunderland. Lionel Perez pulls off a worldie against you, doesn't he? Uh, I mean, the thing that sticks out with me about the Sunderland team was Quinn and Phillips, to be honest. Oh, not touching they were they, they were just like an unbelievable front two. I can't remember a lot about the games. I know it was close. I think it was... I don't know if we lost 1-0 or 2-1 one in 1-0 one in one game or 2-1. I can't remember how, how the games went, but I just know it was close. But it was close, but not close. They, they, they were much the better team, I felt, in, in both games. But that was disappointing because Tomo then sort of left after that. And again, it was a little little runner spell of lots of different managers at Sheffield before Neil coming. But started playing well under him. Got yourself another player at season. Yeah. But what we've got here is... You went up to Sheffield, your former clubs, Birmingham, Notts County, you knew people. Did you know anyone at Sheffield? Um, Who took you under the wing there? No, I didn't know anyone there. Chris Short. Chris Short, I'd played with at Notts County, who probably was one of the best fullbacks I've ever played with. So, yeah, Short, he was there. So, he was the one, he was the one really. Chris, it was ever such a shame with Short, Craig Short's brother. Uh, Chris was probably the fittest player I ever played with, but he, he came down with this uh, illness, this disease, which was like a muscle cramping thing. So he went from being the fittest player ever to like, couldn't walk a flight of stairs and this and that, and he, his career was cut short. So that was a shame, but he, he was like fast, brave, and he was great as a winger because the first thing Shorty wanted to do was just give you the ball. Give you the ball. He had not... He, I mean, I played with a kid at Sheffield, Vaz Babakis, Greek international. I think he scored in that player. Unbelievable player, free kicks, everything. But he got the ball, and he'd want to do something himself rather than, than just give it me, so... Uh, Shorty was brilliant so yeah I'd probably say Shorty took me under his, under his wing but it was great because as time went on we ended up signing Paul Pesky Salido who I played with at Blues David Kelly who lives around the corner from me Peter Unlove who I played at Blues Ian Hamilton who's a Brummie so we had we had about five lads who were Birmingham based in the team for a lot of it so you don't have to drive once a week so it was great Does that help like having a, a good net Bonding, like, good group. It does, yeah, because I timed it so I never had to drive on a Monday. So I could always have a, always have a good weekend. So, yeah, it, it was brilliant. It was, you know, a real good team spirit then. Who were the pranksters then? Oh, God, Simon Tracy was a goalie, but he was, like, just miserable Tracy. Lee Sanford, Lee Sanford, he, he, he was just round the bend. But, yeah, there was, there was a few. Like, I, always liked, I always liked to prank myself. But uh, if you see Lee Sanford now, he actually went on to be um, a currency trader. And you see him now, he's on these financial channels and he's suited and booted and he's giving advice on buying the pound and Bitcoin. And I'm thinking, fucking hell, I know what you're really <laughs> like, mate. Some of, the, some of the states I've seen you in. But yeah, there was, there was good lads at Sheffield. It was a good club, very similar club to Birmingham. Lived a lot in, like Blues with Villa, lived a lot in Wednesday Shadow. Um, Still a big club, Sheffield United, Yeah, big, 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 big club. A lot of similarities between Blues and Sheffield. Neil Warnock, what was it like compared to Notts County? It calmed down a lot. It calmed down a lot, but still, still crackers. But yeah, he was uh, again. I had, I had a fantastic season that, that that first season. He came in. I think it was two thousand, and again he sort of lit the club up. 
Uh, ended up, you know, eventually after, after me leaving, ended up getting him into the Premier League. But yeah, it was brilliant to play for Neil again. Again, he, you know, he got his own players in, put his stamp on that team. The man management, uh, just saying a couple of the lads there, like David Kelly and Pesh, and that he'd say, right, lads, um, you lads don't come in Monday. It was all, like, Ned was in his 30s, I was approaching 30. So he'd manage the older lads really well. And he'd know we'd like a beer of a weekend. So go and have a game of badminton Monday, go and do this. And, I mean, it sounds... Do you reckon really he's saying, Luke, don't come in pissed yeah. and just have that bit yeah, of rest and... Yeah, that's exactly what he was saying because he knew I could be a pain in the arse in training if I was a bit grumpy and that. So we go, uh, Ned, you take Devon, go and have a game of badminton Monday. and that, that, But that was his way of giving you that extra... Now, he'd go to the ends of the earth if he was doing well. If you were doing crap for him and you weren't trying, you'd be fucking in morning and afternoon. Right, so you're doing well, so he let you have that because yeah. you were doing it on the pitch. Yeah. Is yeah. that good man management, that? Great man management. I mean, when you look at it, it's a trust thing as well. Yeah. Because he knows you're out the weekend, yeah. coming in on a Monday and just kind of gently reintroduce yeah. yourself, but at the same time, keeping yourself away from the rest of the players yeah, yeah. because he wants to keep them under wraps as such. Yeah, yeah. Gives you boys a bit of leeway because he respects you and yeah. he knows where you are. It was with the older players. He was fantastic. Yeah. He was really, really good with the older players. Do you know? I always go back to Neil Warnock, right? And I think he always comes across as that type of player you'd like to have played yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. But when you're playing against him, he's a dick. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, listen, he, and and I think he, he he fostered that. He fostered that hate. Like he wanted people to hate him, and he wanted yeah. that. Because it just built, oh, they fucking don't like me, they don't like, look what they're singing about me. So I think he sort of encouraged that. He did. And it built up that siege mentality. But he was, he, I just found him a real good fella, real good yeah. good man. Again, I just look at him, I think he's a great character. Yeah. I think probably I could have gone really well when I've had played for yeah, him. Do you yeah, know what I, mean? but, I, I think he was one of them. If, if you played for him and you did well, yeah. you won't find many with a bad word about him. If you're one of the ones that tossed it off, he Fucking, he'd be the devil, do you know? Well, what I mean? end of the day, it costs yeah. him his job, won't yeah. it? So he gets the right people around him, obviously. Yeah. And you know, there's a respect that goes both ways. Yeah. And and his record speaks for itself. Oh. You look at the clubs that he's, you know, he's got promotion with. You know, it's second to none. I would think you've got to have something about you to have as many promotions yeah, you, as he's you, had. You don't fluke that at all the different levels no. that he's done it. At. You know, you don't get lucky that many times. Was he a good on the training ground? No. Very, very rarely remember. I'm saying no, I mean, that's probably a bit disrespectful, but he wasn't a coach. He was a man manager. He, Kevin Blackwell did most of the coaching when I was there. Uh, and he took Keith Curl on, uh, Curly Cummers, a sort of player coach later on and that. But no, he, he was he was like your man manager. Like You'd see him later a part of the week. He used to do the odd session pre-season, which is just fucking run, run you to your fell over, up and over these hurdle things. But no, he, I think Neil, where his strength was, Neil recognised... He was a manager. He wasn't a coach. So he was like, let someone else do that. And he got the best coaches run about him. Yeah, he, you know, he, he got people in to do what he obviously thought he wasn't He, he wasn't that do. good at. Because I'm nosy, did you, you get a good increase going to Sheffield? I went to Sheffield, uh, what was it now? And I got four grand a week. So I went for four. Close what you wanted, so yeah. fair enough. And then we're signing on fees and different things. So I, I was happy with that. So I ended up going there for, for four. I was like you enjoyed it. You played some good football there, didn't you? Loved it there, yeah. Absolutely loved it. I had, had a great time up there. You know, good, good club, good, good bunch of lads. In, enjoyed the manager, you know, several different managers I had there. So, yeah, and did, did well there personally. We were always sort of um, just, you know, the first year or two, just never had quite enough to, to, get, to get over the line with regards to getting promoted. It was unfortunate because I went there just after the sort of Howard Kendall spell, really, where they threw a lot of money at it. The club was skint. 
so they were cutting back. I mean, when I went there, Paul McGrath was there, Ian Rush was there, David White was there, Michael Vunk was there. They had a lot of big hitters, yeah. big they hitters. They chopped some money at it there. That they threw money at in an attempt to get over the line. So then they had to, they had to get rid of a, you know, Graham Stewart, Dean Saunders. You know, they had to get rid of a load of players. So we, we struggled a bit after that for a couple of years. Well, you're going to say Patterson went, no, Patterson went 96, Kendall, 97. Wasn't Howard there. Kendall took him there, I'm sure he was. He wasn't there when I saw him. I hated playing against him. He was fucking hard as nails, honestly. They're always similar stature though, aren't they? Oh, I, I tell you another one, that, and people going about hard players, he was one of them. Oh, what was his name? The kid that played for Sunderland. He was captain of Sunderland for years. Oh. Ball. Yeah, Both, fucking yeah. Hell, he was hard yeah. as nails as well. He was. The, the, them two, playing against them two. And they very rarely get a mention. Good players as well. They did, did great for both clubs. But yeah, that day were a nightmare to play against Me them. Paddy was hard as nails, he was. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what you've done. So Kevin Ball, who were like Kevin Alan Shearer, awesome for Sunderland. Should never have took the manager's job, should he? Kept himself a hero. I think it's hard, isn't it? If you, if you get the chance, you know... It's easy said when you don't get offered it. If you get offered it, yeah. it's a different story, yeah. isn't it? Because it's your club. And if you've never give it a go, yeah. If you've never been offered it, then fair enough. It's easy to say you wouldn't do it. But when they actually sit you down and offer you, it's like, well, you want to get your club right, don't yeah. you? And and you feel you could you could maybe do that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a Sunderland fan. Do, mm. Would you think that tarnished his sort of legacy at Sunderland? Uh, I I I'll just go to Brian Gunn, Norwich. Yeah. Remember him being yep. like one club man, yep. and then poof, took the manager's job, and then the crowd who loved him turned on him. Yeah, but he's short memories, and short memories. Well, in Kevin football. Ball, he then reverted back into. He was running the academy, wasn't yeah. he at Sunderland? So he kept himself in there, and he was like typical club man, always there for an emergency, always there ready yeah. to step in if yeah, needed. Yeah, yeah. So you can't knock that. Yep. Four years at Sheffield United. Then a quote comes out, I'd walk on broken glass to go back to Birmingham. Yeah. There's got to be a more, more well, in it to that. I got tapped up. I got tapped up. Bruce, he tapped me up when he was at Palace. Would you come to Palace? Now, they were paying big money at the time, Palace. So I went, yeah, yeah, I'll go to Palace. Would that be Simon Jordan? Simon Jordan, yeah. 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 It wasn't him. It was Bruce never rang me direct. It was through a friend. Yeah. John, you know how it happens. And uh, Well, we don't, so why don't you tell us? I'll get a phone call from another player that I played. Would you come to Palace? Bruce, he wants, you, he wants to know whether you'd be up for it. Yeah, I'd be up for it. So, but the thing, I mean, I did let myself down the way I went about this at Sheffield. It's my only regret in my time at Sheffield, the way I left. I was coming to the end of my contract and um, Neil Warnock and De Derek Dooley was a fantastic chairman. He's dead now, God, God bless him. Um, they said, right, we want you to sign again. We're only giving out two-year contracts. I was 30-odd at the time. I said, no, I said, if I'm going to sign out, it needs to be four years. No, no, no. So, long and short, they bent over backwards to me, went, we'll give you four years. Uh, on the same as what you're on now, no one will be, we'll cut in the cloth, no one will be coming in on more than four grand a week and no one will be getting two years. So I'm thinking, oh, fucking fair play to him. He's, he's gone that extra month, signed the contract. About a month later, I bought in Carlos Arbor on about seven grand a week. <laughs> so Carlos, that's that name. Was, did he come from Chilligan? Gillingham, yeah. Striker. Yeah, yeah. So, and Didn't it, do great, though, did he? He done all right. He done all right, Sarbs. And he's a good lad. You know, I'm always loath to slag people when they go to different clubs, but yeah. Sarbs, Sarbs oh, is a good lad. I'll say I didn't go out. I'm sort of record as yeah. goals, stats. You know, I think... 
Yeah, but just because somebody goes in, Lehman doesn't score, maybe the amount of goals you expect them to be, it doesn't make yeah. them any less of a player. They're still a good player. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, and I'm, I'm saying seven, this is what I was told. I know it was on more, more money, and it might have been grand more, grand less, I don't know. But I know it was on more money, so then I've gone to Warner, I've fucking had the rare up with Warner. So then that made me, so I'm, I'm, I want to go then. But I'd literally put a transfer request in two weeks into signing a four-year contract. So I went from being hero to zero, quite rightly was so. Was an agent behind any of that? Or was it just yourself? No, not, re not, not really, just being tapped up. Being tapped up. But again, this is where I have to take my hat off to, to Neil Warner. Brucey then gets offered the Blues job. So he leaves, Simon Jordan puts him on gardening leave for X amount of months. So I'm fucking in no man's land now. I've put a transfer request in. The place has turned against me. And I've got nowhere to go. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do here? So, gets back through the grapevine. Bruce is going to get the Blues job. He'll take you to Blues. So, oh, great, it's going to work out even better now. Go, go, go back to Blues. So, anyway, Warnock, he went, Dev, stay at home. He says, don't bother coming in training. He said, the last thing I want is you with your arse in your hands, fucking booting people in training. Just, just stay at home, keep yourself ticking over. Not banishing me, not finding me. Great. So, anyway, that happened for a couple of weeks. He was always on the phone. We all right, yeah, he's still fit, blah, blah, blah. So Brucey eventually gets the Blues job. Nothing happens a week, nothing. So about a month, well, say a month, three weeks passes by. I've ran Michael Johnson. I've gone, John, what's happening? Brucey's had a look at the squad. There's quite a lot in the 30s. He's, he, he, he's, he's on in an hour in there. I've gone, fucking hell. So he's put me in a right position now. So anyway, I've gone back to Warnock. I've gone, Gaffer, this is the situation. Bruce has got in there, he's got X, Y, Z, they're all in the 30s, he don't know whether... He went, that's fine. Put me straight back in the team for, I'll never forget it, away at Norwich, on the box. Put me straight back in. Played with one away on, on, on the telly at Norwich. So, gone back in. So, I got my head round it then. Right, I'm staying at Sheffield. I've got a four-year contract, I'm perfectly happy with there. I've got to build the bridges that I've done, carry on. So, played away at Norwich. On the uh, bus, on the way back from that game, he went, Dev, make sure you got all your boots. You're going to Blues tomorrow. Fucking hell, I didn't know what weather was coming or going. Apparently, Blues had, I forget who they were playing, Blues had lost on that day. And David Sullivan had said to Bruce, no, I want, I want you to get, Dev, you want Dev, get him back. And then I went, I went on loan. I did two months on loan. And then I signed permanent just before the playoff final. So again, that Neil Warnock handled that situation brilliantly, in my opinion. Because he never sort of outed me. And again, he put me straight back in when he thought that would come to an end. So when you go back to Birmingham the first time with Trevor Francis, yeah. it was the exact opposite under Complete, Warnock yeah. because he's treated you like a man, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, complete opposite. He knew that I could bring something to the team. So rather than cut his nose off to spot his face, right, that's not going to happen. I want you back in. I want you back in and like carry on, carry on as normal sort of thing. So, yeah, it was all, all a bit of a strange one, that. But I did, I do think I let myself down, and, I, and I've said it, you know, in different interviews, down that, that if there's one thing I could sort of redo, it would be the way I left Sheffield, because I had four great years there. The fans, the club, everything was brilliant to me, and I probably did go about it the wrong way, but... I, so I, I, I think already it could have been your last contract as well. Well, yeah, I, I was 30. I'd been tapped up, and then obviously to here to get the chance to go back to Blues... Uh, sort of in my head it was sort of I can put the record straight now I can go back and Is that what you wanted to do? You know? Yeah very, very much so and I, I ended up going back there and it turning out to be a fantastic spell in the club's recent history Basically just looking at this helicopter going around listening to things going on explosions fighting shouting the value of the game it's the richest club game in the world and it's worth 
100 million to the club that goes up and I really think that's what scuppered me move to Man U. <laughs> if I hadn't done that I could have seen I could have seen the Man U move coming a bit you know at some stage. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.